challenge, conflict, chaos, obstacles, darkness, and death. You might think these things are terrible, but what if these are actually secret passageways to personal empowerment, to spiritual growth, and to your highest potential? Today's guest, Simran, is the author of Living, The Seven Blessings of Human Experience. And she's here to share with you how her own darkness and chaos and obstacles and conflict led to awakening. Join us. Before we start this episode, I, Carrie Hummingbird, and I, Akeem Sami, want you to know that you are invited. You're invited to to join join Soul Soul Nectar Nectar Tribe. If you like what you hear on Soul Nectar Show, you will love being in person with us in Soul Nectar Tribe. We invite you to check it out. First 30 days is free. Right now, go to carryhummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com, forward slash membership, and sign up. We'll We'll see see you you at our our next next tribe gathering. And now, on to the show. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments that lead us inexorably towards a new understanding of ourselves in life and hopefully chart the course to discovering some beauty. I am Carrie Hummingbird, your host, and I have these conversations week after week and You know, we're sitting in the spring of 2022 right now, and it is very interesting, almost on summer and feeling so much moving in the space, just hearing from a lot of people that they're really being pushed, prodded, poked, that grist for the diamond being formed. And if that's you and you're feeling like, yes, that's me, you just said it, I feel like I'm just slogging through mud with bricks tied around my ankles and I'm wondering when I'm going to be able to fly. I got you. I totally understand that feeling. That's a common experience right now on the planet, wondering what's going on and when are we going to break free and when is this going to all open up and the great awakening and is this part of it and what does this mean and where's the butterflies because I feel like there's too much cocoon and limitation and still it's just not breaking free and If that's you, then I, like, once again, I got you. And today we're going to talk to a beautiful human being who has written a book called Living the Seven Blessings of Human Experience. And um, if you're feeling like you'd like to be reminded about what those blessings are, then today is your episode to find out about those blessings. We have uh, the beautiful Simran here today. Welcome, Simran. Wonderful to be with you, Carrie. I love everything that you do, and you're speaking so on point with where you are. With where we are. Simran is a globally recognized speaker in Catalyst for Love. She's a compassion um, and humanity expert in her lifetime, as well as every work, everything she does in the world. She's a publisher of the 1111 magazine and the host of 1111 Talk Radio. 
And I've been on that show as well. And we'll put a link to my episode. Uh, this was a couple years ago with the Second Wave book release. Simran is an artist, a poet, a soulful mentor. She's the author of multiple award-winning books and is, you know, now getting out there and talking about a new series, Living, Being, and Knowing. And she resides in Charleston. And I will put the link to her website and all that kind of good information in the show notes. So you were resonating with what I said, Simran. Tell me more. Tell me more. What's up? (laughs) I was chuckling inside because I call those blessings. Those things that you were saying were the the challenges and the grist for the mill and the things that were poking and prodding. That's the whole purpose of writing this self-realization series and specifically the first book, Living the Seven Blessings of Human Experience, are all about these unorthodox blessings, which are start with life and then continue on to challenges and conflict and chaos and obstacles and darkness and death. And that might not sound like a bunch of blessings, but my hope is to reframe what these are in a way that we rather than push away from them, we actually dive into them because they bring us so much that we don't even realize. Yeah, it's interesting because I've I've had my series of blessings or challenges, whatever word you prefer right now in 2022. And it can be discouraging, especially, you know, if you've been really doing your work for a long time, as I know many of my listeners have been doing our work, we've been really dedicated, we've been doing all the work that we were asked to do and diving deep inside and, and then to be hit with 2022 and these challenges and these setbacks and these like, uh, well, not yet ready, but waiting more to do. You're not yet formed. That's so frustrating. That's just like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I've been doing my work. But it's kind of like, I realize that the under the subtext of that is like another layer of victim consciousness, right? It's like, I should be rewarded because I did all my work. So aren't you going to reward me now? Great spirit. We're in this, you know, land of opposites, this world that is duality. And I think there's this false idea that if we really do our work or we're spiritual enough or we are aligned enough, then all of a sudden we have nothing that we have to deal with because we've risen above it all. (laughs) And that's just not true. That's not what this planet was designed for. We are meant to experience this land of opposites as a place for mastery. And every time we get into another level of our mastery, we're only going to encounter even more because it is why we came. You talked about encountering challenges, the blessing of challenges this year. And each blessing has actually seven layers that go with it. And within those seven layers, there's a path. And so the path for the blessing of challenge is actually the path of the rebel. And the path of the rebel really looks at life and says, you know, there really is nothing wrong. All of this contrast, all of this duality, all of this stuff that feels constriction or discordant, there's really nothing wrong with it. It's experience. It's pure experience. And if I were to look at life And instead of seeing that anything was wrong and just dive into my creativity and all that brings me joy through that creativity, then all of a sudden I transcend what's going on here. It can continue happening or not happening, but I've transcended it. And that also means looking inside ourselves. So someone going through a health issue or something internally to say, you know, there really is nothing wrong in here either because I'm a perfect spirit. I am part of the divine cosmos. And this is all illusion that is taking place in this moment, even though it's bringing up all these feelings. And that's where we go into that next layer, which is the energy of water and where we're meant to feel. We're we're growing our emotional mastery and 
we're grounding and it's just taking us into deeper and deeper levels of our own mastery so that we can bring spirit into the body rather than trying to ascend to spirit. Yeah, bringing spirit into the body rather than trying to ascend to spirit. Because I, I see a lot of light workers go, oh, please, you know, like Father Sky, you know, take me back. Let me go back home to my star home, which is not like this planet. <laughs> I want to go back where it's reasonable, where I can manifest things and it just happens. Boom, there's my manifestation. Yay. And here it's not like that for very few people. I've seen very few people that can do that. And I'm an excellent manifester. So I'm just like, this is ridiculous. We can be in judgment of it. I've got judgment in my chart, you know? <laughs> so my life's work is mastering judgment and opinion. So I have all day long, I can be having judgments and opinions about things not going my way. And then if they are going my way, I can have all kinds of judgments and opinions about the fact that it's going my way. So it is this dance. It's like dancing around in my gene keys. As you guys know, listening, who listen to me all the time, I love the gene keys because it really hints at what Simran is talking about. And that's why a lot of my programs are based on these teachings from Richard Rudd. You know, he's the one who channeled it down. But it's like the I Ching. It's like ancient wisdom is this is this is what you're here for. You know, it's not all like pieces of cake. That's you know? gene keys, right? Gene keys. Yeah. Like they're really awesome because they teach yeah. that. They're beautiful. And you know, what I love about what you just said, because within the book, these are not books to be read quickly. I actually tell people when you pick up living, when you get being, when you get knowing, I want you to read maybe three lines a day, maybe one paragraph at most one page. Do not go past one page a day <laughs> because it's too much. This is meant to slow individuals down, bring us more present. And it's written in a style that you just can't read it fast. And part of that style has to do with the way that I talk about you or self. And so I divide you up into three aspects. There's you that's all lowercase. There's you that's the capital Y and the OU lowercase. And then there's the all caps Y-O-U. And the reason that I do that is to help people understand that all of these aspects are operating and present all at the same time. However, we are only present to one of them. And because we're only present to one of them, the other two keep operating. And then we go, why is this showing up in my life? I don't understand. And we are responding from one aspect. Let's say we're responding from our human self that is most of the time unconscious, sometimes conscious. We can think we're conscious all the time, but most of the time unconscious, probably a bit robotic, definitely conditioned and becoming more aware of our conditioning. But it's that individual that is been trying to survive, that is finding ways to thrive, that gets two steps forward and one step back, the one that's doing the dance of being a human. And yet there's this shadow monster animal self, which is who I talk about in the second book, Being, that is another multidimensional aspect of us that is operating, that has something to say, that has something to feel. And then there's this third aspect of us, which I talk about in knowing, which is our humanity, which is what we are here to aspire to. And most of us think we have humanity or we think humanity is this outward global thing of a bunch of people. But our real humanity is our ability to feel and experience everything. And that's the ultimate mission of these three books is to really deepen individuals into the body so that they fully grasp the multidimensionality of themselves and operate from a place of oneness and wholeness all of the time. Because the first separation consciousness actually exists within us because we're separate from the parts of ourselves that are always there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like 
feel it to heal it is a mantra that I've been feeling and hearing all over the place with a whole lot of people. And what does that actually mean? That means that uncomfortable things that you'd rather not feel, that you'd rather bypass. And that's what a spiritual bypass is. People often ask me, what's a spiritual bypass? It's not feeling the thing. It's like trying to not feel. And we have a whole culture based on not feeling. You know, so we have like not feeling pills. Take these pills. Oh, you're feeling depressed. Well, take these pills and stop feeling depressed and feel only happy. Like we've judged that only happy, only content, only all of these, only, only, only is what we want. And we don't want the opposite. So when we don't have the opposite, when we don't let ourselves feel that, we end up getting imbalanced, right? We end up imbalanced. So, and then we have to be balanced. So yeah, every time I do a lot of illumination, you know, because this is the thing is we're also raising the consciousness of the planet at the same time with this matrix. So that gets to be super challenging, right? Because we do need to illuminate. (laughs) We need to have illumination because that is what lifts everything. But at the same time, every time I initiate illumination, then I'm also initiating the opposite direction, right? So then I'm going to go back. If I'm illuminating here and I'm bringing all this beautiful light down into the body and I'm like opening up this spirit channel and all this light is pummeling in, all also is the other direction, is the grief, the sadness, the anger, the despair, the, you know, that's the other direction. And then I got to go through that experience. And I don't really actually prefer that experience. I don't know about anybody else, but that's not my favorite experience, you know? So I have to sit and be with that and, and put my arms around it and find some kind of beauty in having that experience. Well, I think that that's one of the main points that comes across through these books, because I've watched a lot of light workers and a lot of individuals in the personal growth and spiritual growth field in the last two decades that I've been creating 1111 Magazine and 1111 Talk Radio. I've read just about every book that's out there because when you do a weekly radio show and a monthly magazine, you're going to read a lot of books. (laughs) And so what I have found is many of the individuals in the spiritual field or those that step towards that direction. They think it's all about getting to the light, that it's all about, I just want to be the high vibration oh, I was feeling grief or anger yesterday because of such and such happened. I have to get back into my high vibration and not feel that stuff because that's (laughs) dead. I'm not going to be there. But when we do that, we actually create the separation within. So how are we not going to see separation on the outside? We've just shunned and dismissed a part of ourselves that was very valid. That is no different than us dismissing a homeless person or someone that's at poverty level or someone that is being beaten. It's like turning away from ourselves. And thus, when we do that, we're going to turn away from the world because if we're apathetic to ourselves, we're going to be apathetic within the world. And so as we move through this, if we can start to become more neutral and equanimous about both the high and the low and really look at it all from that perspective of we are really in the Disneyland of experience when it comes to life. You know, we've got the roller coasters, we've got the haunted houses, we've got the windy park that we get to go through all the different routes and get ourselves lost. That truly is what we embarked upon, an adventure for us to experience experience itself and to have that curiosity. You were talking about the darkness and one of the blessings is the blessing of darkness And all of these actually follow a spiral. So if individuals start at one blessing, the blessing of life, they will see they go through these seven over and over and over again, and they have to come to completion. So the blessing of darkness is the sixth stage of this spiral, and it occurs 
because of a certain illusion, which I talk about in book two that's coming out later this month, the illusion of evolution. That's one of the biggest illusions we have that we're going to get somewhere, that we're going to ascend, that we're going to become something else, that we even need to raise a vibration is one of the biggest illusions that we have on the planet because we already are it. There is nothing to get to. It is our awareness and our presence to it. So it has more to do with us slowing down and really being present to everything that's happening. The blessing of darkness actually has the path of the mystic. And the mystic is the one who feels, just like you were saying, Carrie, you said, you know, I don't want to feel that stuff. And most other people don't either. And I've been through an experience over the last seven years where there was tremendous grief over at least the first four years that was pretty consistent on a weekly basis. And so what I've written about, I've lived through it. And I understand the wormholes and the doorways that open when we really do allow ourselves to feel every emotion to its depth. And when we do that, then we are able to also reach the heights, but we encapsulate ourselves in that so that we experience it all as who we are, rather than the push and pull that we have come to know. Oh gosh, you know, you're, you're just reframing in words, an experience that I've had for these last, I don't know, since I woke up, of finally feeling the feelings and not trying to numb out from feeling them because I was taking those pills for what, 13 years and I was trying not to feel anything. And and then I stopped taking them and all of a sudden I started crying. And why was I crying? Because it's still there. Like it didn't go away. It didn't just magically disappear. And the other thing is, um, and I really thank you for saying this because I, there's such a stigma in our culture about feeling and about anyone who feels as if somehow that's wrong or broken or bad or, you know, that actually have feelings. And especially when you start to get into a, a spot of leadership, when you're like a leader, a mentor, a guide, people don't expect you to be feelingless, you know, or like only be happy. And that's the, the thought leaders that put their, they're like dancing on the beach kind of like picture. And I refuse to make one of those. Like I will not make that picture because it's such a lie. I will not do it. <laughs> and because I won't do it, like I, people like question whether I'm healed enough to teach them or guide them or whatever. And it's like, I feel everything. So yes, I think I am. Like that thing you said, where you stopped and you let yourself go deeper into the feeling all the way until the deepest part of it and till where it expands and it almost might consume you, but you can just be there with it. I have so done that all the time, right? Like I've swallowed, you let it swallowed. You get swallowed up by it. We've had similar personal experiences. (laughs) Talked about that. And seven years ago, you know, I bumped up against an experience where here I am over a decade. I'm doing spiritual work. I'm doing beautiful things. I'm creating magazines that are touching people. I'm doing the radio shows. I've written, you know, three books, all these things that are really wonderful, very nice, beautiful things to put out into the world. And I bump up against an experience where my two children, very young children, are taken away from me. Now, here I am, a spiritual mentor, someone that talks all about spirituality and all of these things. And it is the most traumatic thing that I could have ever experienced because that's the only thing that someone could have done that would have ripped my heart out. And so I'm in this moment in tears on the floor going, how did this happen? Why did this happen? This makes no sense whatsoever. And the thing that I realized was I create my reality. If I created this moment, I've missed something. 
what have I missed? What if all that I've been doing was artificial lighting? Beautiful, Uh, lit up the room, but artificial lighting. What if it is in this dark place that I'm going to find true light? Can I devote myself as deeply to the darkness as I have been devoted to the light? And that was the day I said, yes, that if this has happened to me, if this has happened to my kids, if I have gotten into something that is so strangely absurd, then I'm going to stay down and feel every emotion until my body tells me to get back up. Now, I didn't anticipate that that was going to be a seven-year process, but it was. And the first three or four years, it was grief, more grief than I could have ever imagined to have felt. The first waves of grief lasted about a year daily. I stopped working. I couldn't do anything. I didn't care about inspiring anyone. It was all about feeling what was coming out. And then I realized how much I had held down and held back. You talk about the mother wound in your beautiful book. And there is so much that's been there that we have carried as mothers. And when that first year of grief paused, it paused for about a month and a half. And I felt like I got a respite. And then all of a sudden the waves started coming again. And that's where it was like, oh my gosh, this is my mother's grief. This is my grandmother's grief. This is my great. I started to feel that mother wound that you talk about. Mm. And it just came and flooded through me and I was feeling all their pain. And then the images of how all of them had lost their children as well in different ways, shapes, and forms. And I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be the conduit for all this grief that has been bottled up for I don't know how many generations. So that lasted about a year or so. And then it paused again. And then about two months later, the grief came again. And I thought, there's no way I have this much water in my body. How can I possibly be this kind of a waterfall on this planet? And then I was feeling the collective, the feminine, the dark feminine that people don't want to feel. They want to make the feminine this either empowered place of these are my rights. I'm going to go do this. Or they want to make it this airy, fairy, goddessy kind of thing, which are also beautiful archetypes of it. But the true dark feminine is back down in the messy womb. It's down there where everything is guts and glory. It's feeling it all. And so I started to go back and I was taken back in time. And I thought, wow, even if we went all the way back to Mother Mary and Jesus, she lost her child. Did she ever get to really grieve? Did she ever truly feel the trauma of her body that happened? Because three days later, he was risen. And then all of a sudden, he was lauded. And so maybe that was just bypassed. Like, are we all as women carrying all this pain? of all the mothers and all the women throughout time. And that's where I realized that if we would simply just stay present to our experience, not try to go build a business, not try to become somebody, not try to run after people, not try to even go learn anything, but truly just faced our lives with what was in front of us, that right in those moments are not only the things that expand us and our consciousness, But those are the things that ripple out and actually change the world because we become the bridge between our inner and the outer. And it's a profound experience. That is so profound what you just shared. And my heart goes out to you on your journey, the beginning of this spiritual awakening that you had. And I don't know what that feels like. 
I have no idea what that feels like. What I would say is that as you claimed for yourself, that is an experience that was your soul's plan, which is a really hard place to arrive at when you're in the feeling of that as a mother to actually say, this was part of my soul's plan. So what is here for me? How is this my blessing? How is this a blessing for me to become? And that's really full trust that you are a soul and that you are in soul school. I mean, what other trust can help, whatever deeper trust can there be? But to have that experience and to say, this is part of my destiny to go through this experience. And I was in the unknown, Carrie, because most people, when you go into something, whether it is sinking into an experience like this, or whether taking a leap of faith into something that you have no idea what it is, when you go into that unknown, what you start to do is release identities. You start to lose, you know, or life takes away your identities, like in my case. And as I sat in all those feelings and I, and then other feelings would come up as well. At a certain point, it got past the mental body and the emotional body. And I started to have all these physical sensations, all of these aches or pains or rumblings in my body. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is ancient stuff and it's in my body. Like my mind doesn't even know what this means. It could attach a story to what I'm feeling, but that would be false. Even my emotions can't comprehend this. And then I realized it's from zero to seven that we take everything into the physiology and it truly is all sensation. So everything that we create in our life from that point on, from those first seven years, ripples out as echoes of simply visceral sensation. And it shows up as other experiences that look like it. So for example, a trauma, if it happens at four years old, you will find a similar recurring trauma at 11 and then at 18 and then at 25 and so forth. If you find success at age 11, that is just so mind blowing that it it just changes your world. Then the same thing happens every seven years, you will have some type of success. It's just like throwing a pebble into a pond and watching it ripple out. We really are just energetic vibrations rippling on a pond. And so once I started to see that and realized that I was in this place of dissolving and disintegration, then all of a sudden I was letting everything be absorbed. And so rather than pushing away anger or sadness or darkness or any of the things, even identity, we absorb them. And when we absorb them, that's the true dissolution of them so that we then become one. We then become more whole rather than the separatism of everything. And so we are here to really align with all of who we are and living the seven blessings of human experience takes you through those first seven layers and levels of multidimensionality to help you really understand the full gamut of what we each are here for on a collective level to serve as, but even more so on a soul level to really experience because our soul wants to experience. And so we've got to give it what it wanted. Yeah, I've often had that conversation, me, small self carry with my soul saying, that's nice, you wanted to experience this. I am the like plug that goes into the socket. I'm the interface. So have some grace for the interface, please. Because I'm here experiencing on your behalf, everything you want to experience. I'm the interface. That's precious. That like, you know, have a little compassion for this experience. 
And then my soul will just kind of like, thank you. <laughs> you know, it's like that. It's like, well, I designed you to do this. So thank you so much for letting me be down here and do this. I just think that also at a bigger level, it's like I'm realizing more and more about the reclamation of self that you were talking about and loss of identities and things like that, that even we could go further and realize that we are just a cell in Mother Earth. So we're just like this cell in the larger body of Mother Earth. And so all of us are going through what she's going through on her own journey around the cosmos, right? So we just left kind of a darker space in the cosmos and we're moving into a lighter space in the cosmos, right? And so all of these shifts and changes are happening for Mother Earth. It means they're happening for us too, because we're embodied here on Mother Earth. And in that transition into what we're called the age of Aquarius, there's some reconciliation that has to happen for the age of Pisces. You know, which is, I think, why we're experiencing so much of the mother trauma and the female trauma and and healing all that is because that was a large part of this disconnection between the feminine and the masculine, this this, this shadow of conflict that Richard Rudd talks about, and then the coinciding also gene keys of doubt and confusion, which are created to keep you out of your body's experience and out of your heart and in a mental experience of God's source creator rather than in a physical embodied experience of yourself, right? So we're moving through some pretty difficult shadows right now and and moving through them to reclaim ourselves in full. I love that word reclamation or reclaim. And, and I think that that's why I was guided to write these three books at the same time. The three books are actually the one person, they're you, but it's divided into the three aspects of you and then the multidimensional level. So Living the Seven Blessings of Human Experience is the self, capital S, lowercase ELF, that represents the robotic, the asleep, the unconscious, the conditioned, homogenized dreamwalker that's adorned in all these identities that we put on to get away from our childhood wounds. That's just trying to attempt to make sense of life. That book's out right now. Being is coming out at the end of the month, and being the seven illusions that derail personal power, purpose, and peace is the self that is all lowercase. That represents the obsessed nature of personhood, who's ignorant of its vices, unconsciously obedient to the shadow, the animal, the monster, even the demon. We all have animal, monster, and demon qualities. We may not want to know it. We may not want to look at it, but we have it. And until we're willing to not only become aware of them, but actually embrace them with love and understanding of who and what they are within us, we're going to keep creating those darker distortions on the outside. And so these aspects of us keep acting out our deepest cravings and our hungers. And that dimension of us experiences life in the gray zone. It's numb, it's deeply disconnected, it's distracted. That's the personhood of us that is possessed by our own inner demons. And then book three is knowing the seven human expressions of grace. And that's the return to humanity, individual humanity. And that portrays the intentional devotional committed walk through the valley of shadows and death while remembering our eternal and divine nature. And you were talking about asking your soul for grace. What I came to experience for myself is I am the soul. Rather than talking to the soul, I am the soul. And until I'm willing to give myself the the correlating expressions of human grace, I cannot really fully receive the divine grace of the other. And it's the most beautiful lover and beloved walk to go through these dimensions in this very present step-by-step way 
it it truly is a flowering of humanity that takes place. And it is this love affair that occurs between every level of self. I've done a book before on self-love and that no way in the world touches what I came to after moving through every emotion and every feeling and every sensation and allowing my body to just almost disintegrate completely to come to a place of the greater self, the, the combination of these selves. And that's what I'm excited for people to experience for themselves so they don't have the up and down roller coaster so that they're not creating the constriction and the pushback uh, that creates so much suffering in their lives. You know, I, as you were speaking, I was remembering this medicine journey I took at one point and I had this sort of remembrance of, from my angelic perspective and sort of sharing ideas with other angelic beings about earthlings being kind of like, they're graceless. They are, they're just like, they're so dense. They're so warring. And so, I mean, just all the judgments, right. And the unworthiness, right? And then the humanities feeling and knowing of their own unworthiness, like that feeling of being unworthy of grace, right? And and in this journey, I had this moment of like realization that humanity is completely worthy of grace and that I would be the one in my own self to say yes to that, to say yes to it. And if I say yes to it in myself, then I'm also offering that gift to anybody else that meets my frequency, right? As I'm saying, yes, human, my humanity is worthy of grace. And so I've been at this, it's sort of like you're talking about the seven cycles, right? The seven spirals of that decision. I've been through several spirals of that decision. It's like, yes, I'm worthy of grace. Yes, my humanity is worthy of grace. Yes, all of this suffering, angst, anger, all of this is worthy of grace. And I think it probably does take seven passes through that decision to really deeply mean it. Well, well, it does. And what I uncovered was we really are this faceted crystal, this, this Merkaba. And, and as I went through these multidimensional spaces, like they went every direction, which is what multidimensional is. And so each blessing has a correlating illusion, which has a correlating grace And we give all these things to ourselves. So I know in your own life experience, after having interviewed you on your two beautiful books, that you've been like many of us, where there comes a point where you realize, I've got to let everything go. I've got to get rid of everything, Mm -hmm. not wearing these clothes anymore, getting rid of all these objects. You know what? Leaving, leaving this house, moving to another town. Like we've all been there, right? (laughs) Where everything's got to go. That's the grace of simplicity. It comes from the blessing of life. It has everything to do with the illusion of time and the grace of simplicity has to be given to us to move to the next place. And the next place is going to be the blessing of challenge. And with that blessing of challenge, we're going to end up encountering the illusion of money. And, and, then, <laughs> and then there's going to be the disgrace, the, 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 the personal grace of dis, detachment. So then we have to get to the place where we give ourselves the grace of detachment. So each of these connects across as well as having the seven layers. And I went through seven years to get all of this information by personally going through it. I wrote the books so that everyone does not have to go through seven years to get it. You can find yourself, if you're going through an obstacle, go to the blessing of obstacles. You'll see exactly what to do to rise to a higher octave. You'll see in knowing what is the grace I must give myself 
And what does that open up and flower within me? So it's it's intended to really be a manual and a guide that if the soul had given us a how-to book in our cribs or with the stork when we came, these would be the manuals that would be the how-to manual of being human on this planet. Nice. So now, Simran, how, I mean, my sense is that as you began this project, it wasn't like, it was like the choiceless choice. Like you were flung into this whole body, heart, mind. You were just flung into this curriculum and followed it all the way to conclusion. That takes a great deal of faith. A couple of things happened. And, and what I want people to know is there were moments in that seven years where there was no faith where there was no trust, where there was hopelessness and despair, where there were moments where it was like, it's too much pain, take me. Because we all go there. And yet that's not us. That's the version of us. That's the shadow of us. That's the animal of us that's in pain that has to feel those things, but we have to hold and know those things. And so as I went through this, I never intended to write any books. I never thought I would be back in the spiritual field. I didn't know where I would end up when all of this happened because I ended up finding out that I was into a type of corruption that no one else seemed to realize was going on or wanted to talk about. Mm. And so it was like, how did I get into, I'm the spiritual one. I'm the Pisces. I'm all about love. How did I get embroiled in the legal system? And all that that entails, because that's a whole nother level of darkness and corruption. I don't even want to be a part of, but yet I was there. And so I thought I've got to stay with it until I figure out where this is trying to lead me. Obviously, I wouldn't be put in this if the universe was not trying to use me well. And that's the thing I want people to know is the universe will use whatever you give it. If you make choices, it's going to use your choices. But if you will allow yourself to use what the universe gave you as your life, you will be used well by life. And so as I'm going through this process, there was one point in 2015 where I took my dog for a walk, a meditation walk, and I came back and three tables of contents just streamed out of me. I wasn't writing at all at that point, but that particular day I sat down and these came out and I looked at them and I thought, wow, those are beautiful. That is incredible. And I have no desire to write a book. So I put it in a drawer and I put it away. And then it was 2019. My body finally said, okay, you can get up off the floor now. You've dissolved everything. And at that point, chunks and pieces, a part in book one would come and then a part in book three. And it's not like it was channeled. It's just that I would have the full awareness of how to write about what it was that I needed to share based on experience. I want people to really understand I'm not writing something by making it up or channeling it. I really went through it to understand viscerally what happens. And so all of a sudden, these three books are being written at one time. And again, I have no desire to go publish them or look for a publisher. And I said that out loud to the universe. I said, I'll write them, but you have to bring the publisher. And it was the following year, a publisher emailed me and said, haven't heard from you in a while aren't seeing anything happening on social media, wondering what you're up to. And then I told them about the books and they wanted them. And so that was one part of showing that when you have trust and faith, you know, all this idea that we've got to go do something is kind of a false illusion. Things can come as well. You don't have to always use the masculine energy to get things to come. 
The other piece that unfolded was through the process of trying to uncover why my children were taken away from me, because there was no logic, there was no due process, there was nothing uh, in regard to what was legal that took place. What began to be uncovered was a 15-year cottage industry that was underground that had been going on without the court system's knowledge. And so this corrupt system also became uncovered and it resulted in a South Carolina Supreme Court ruling that everything that had happened was illegal and unconstitutional and that it had happened to families for 15 years. I never embarked on anything like that. And it's not that any of us have to end up in a situation where it creates that kind of change, but it does mean that what we're given might have its own thread of a conclusion that our minds can't comprehend, but the universe has a plan for. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Wow. So, wow. I don't, <laughs> that's so much that, you, I mean, what I'm really feeling from you is just like, from your story is an integration, yeah, of the light and the dark. And I, I've seen pictures of you actually when you were in the other phase of your life and the carefree sort of like the light self that was like, I could see that in your photos from before. And then seeing you here today is the first time I've um, talked to you in a while, actually. It's been a couple of years since we had a conversation. It's like you're the centeredness, the, almost like you've got, you know, you've got a lot of roots in the, in the earth. So that's what I'm feeling is like that, that really deeply centered person before Thank me. You. Well, and I think that probably when you do a lot of your shamanic work and you do your journeying, you probably come out from those places feeling that rooted and that grounded as if you have really anchored in to the earth. Because when we go into the depths of our own underworld, then there's nothing to fear anymore. There can only be trust because we realize there is no boogeyman. You know, yeah. The boogeyman that we're afraid of out there really is only the boogeyman on the inside. And once you've faced your own monster and your own demon, there's nothing else to be afraid of. And then you <sighs> shine. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually, I had that experience in the jungle this time in November. I met my jet, my puma and it was in the jungle, right? So ayahuasca ceremony, walked outside the Moloka to go to the bathroom and in the shadows was an actual jaguar. I could feel it and sense it was out there. And anyway, then one of the helpers came and there was a confusion as to whether that was true or not. And and then I realized it was my, it was me. It was actually my power that was like standing out there in the shadows, just like tempting me, like I'm right here. And I had that moment of being devoured, you know, like you were talking about in ceremony. I had that devouring moment where my jaguar just came and, you know, devoured me. And I went all black, like everything just turned to black. And then I, I came out of that and I had this new level of awareness than I've ever had before. It's hard to explain it to people that haven't been in a similar experience, but I, I was able to really sense everything that was happening in the room. And when I went to get my healing from the shaman, the shaman looked at me and says, oh, Puma, <laughs> uh, I'm here. Yeah. So yeah, it's that integration of those layers of being. And I, you know, I'm aware of um, that there's just many, many aspects to self, you know, and that they all get to be present. Exactly. Exactly. You know, of the three books, I'm amazed at what they all say. They really are quite powerful. And I'm surprised that my favorite of the three is the middle one. It's being the one about illusions, the one that has to do with 
meeting the animal and the monster and the shadow and the demon. Because I think that that's the part when we can have compassion and love for that part, then all of a sudden that really is the place that goes out and changes the world just by mere presence, just by looking at another, just by watching what's going on on television and not having a judgment about it, but holding compassion for all sides of the story. When we can get to that place, it is a really, really beautiful thing. And it becomes such a sensory feeling on the inside. And so I really love the content of that book because it's, it's probably the place that people are most challenged to reach, to find that level of compassion and personal power and peace around everyone and everything in their lives. But it is, it is the bridge between the upper and the lower. Ah, so beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. I'm going to be sending out, giving you guys access to all of the links. Uh, the book is Living the Seven Blessings of Human Experience by Simran. I'll be sharing the link uh, in the show notes. So please check that out and get a copy. And like, share, and and subscribe, and send, and uh, comment, and all the things, because that will help this episode get out there and be seen and heard and experienced more. And uh, in the meantime, here's some kisses. Would you like to share kisses with for people right now? Love to, yes. I always send kisses. Okay, here they come. Everybody, here come your kisses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love you so much, Simran. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Carrie, always. Okay, and see you guys next week on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Take a sip from the drip of nectar from the source of who you are. Yeah, yeah.